It's a gospel boldly one-shot! Okay, now if we had time and the ability to do some awesome production, that little introduction would have been followed with uh, some type of really cool or awesome thing music. But yeah, we, we don't at the moment. Welcome to the Gospel Boldly Podcast. Uh, I am Pastor Eric Brown, and I'm here by myself today doing a, a little one-shot simply because... Uh, for our friend and cohort, Thomas Lumpke, life has been crazy and hard, uh, just stuff with work, things going on like mad. And, and then also he did mess up on the sound for some of the two episodes, so he's been working really hard getting those fixed. And so he is basically swamped. And so uh, just for the uh, ease of everyone's life, we are recording a, a solo podcast tonight. And... Um, well, it, it is easier because he doesn't have to splice any sound together. It's like one sound file. And there, it's good and easy, simple to do. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. However, well, I don't mind talking by myself. It's okay. It's, it's fine. It, it's much better having someone to bounce off of, mind you. But the thing I dislike doing is I hate figuring out what I'm supposed to talk about. I'm much better responding to questions. So again, if you want to leave uh, questions or topics for future Gospel Boldly one-shots, feel free to leave them on our, our Facebook page. Um, but so I, I asked quickly what he would like, and so Thomas did what a very wise husband would do. He asked his wife, what do you think? And, and his wife gave two suggestions. Uh, the first was the resurrection of the body. And the second was legalism. And I think she was thinking that these would be like separate, distinct possibilities, but I, I cut her off after that. She gave a few more, but me, no, 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 no. I'm going to talk on the first two. So tonight what we're going to do is we're going to ponder the resurrection of the body. Then we're going to ponder legalism. And I will make an assertion that there is a connection between the two. Uh, first, with the resurrection of the body. This is something that is fundamental to the Christian faith. It is the, it's something that shows up in the creed. I believe in the resurrection of the body and the life of the world to come. It's the apex of the creed, the, 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 the goal, the end point, where we're trying to, well, what the happy end result of the faith is. And yet, today, we can almost be a little bit gun-shy in talking about the resurrection of the body. When we uh, talk about the resurrection of the body, so often we will almost feel embarrassed about it because it, we, we think it seems illogical, irrational, that, that we who will die will someday rise again, and not only rise again, but rise better. Uh, first thing I want to know about this is that this embarrassment or shyness about it is nothing new. In fact, uh, if you read 1 Corinthians 15, the, the entire chapter, it's the great chapter where Paul talks about the, the resurrection, deals with the fact that even in Corinth in the early church, there were plenty of folks, uh, Greek Westerners, who kind of thought the resurrection of the body was a little bit silly that didn't fit with a, a modern, sophisticated worldview and, and all our current up-to-date science and philosophy and worldly wisdom. St. Paul writes, uh, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 12, Now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, 
and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise if the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then even Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. We'll we'll pause there for the moment for, for the reading of Scripture. When we think about the resurrection of the dead, it is something that is fundamentally a, a miraculous event. And by miraculous, I mean it goes beyond the normal workings of life in this world. And there's a reason for that. This world that we now live in is fallen and sinful. We are infested by sin. Sin clings to us all the time. We are in our sins by nature, all right? And as a result, well, the wages of sin is death. That, that, that's where life in this world leads. That's where it goes to. That's where it ends up. St. Paul notes that, that the preaching, the heart of the gospel, is that Christ Jesus, God become man, God incarnate, takes upon himself our sin and he goes to the cross and he, though he is perfect, though he is the spotless lamb of God without sin, takes the wages of that sin upon him and he bears it in full precisely when he dies. And if he just dies and it stops there and that's the end of the story, sin wins. Sin is the final statement, and he died is the final statement. Um, This is one of the things that goes on in Genesis. Uh, You will hear over and over with the patriarchs, and Adam lived so many years, and he died. And -and so-and-so lived so many years, and he died, and he died, and he died. And that was the constant refrain and repetition. This is the wages of sin, and he died. And Christ dies. And, and, and if we ended there, if John ended at chapter 19, that would be kind of bad for us because it so says, oh, look, even God just dies. Ain't no stop in the way the world works now. But what, do, what happens is that God puts an end to it. The Father raises Christ from the dead. And now you have, and he died, and he rose. And that is now the way the story of mankind will go because God has jumped in and intervened. Adam has died, and he will rise because there is a resurrection of the dead because Christ is raised from the dead. And Noah lived, and he died, but he will be raised from the dead. He will live again because that's what Jesus did. And this is what is going to be applied to all of us. Our story, the story of every single person on this planet, whether they believe or don't believe, will end with they die and they rise because Christ has risen. And and in Christ Jesus' death and resurrection, taking up the wages of sin upon himself, taking that separation between God and man and declaring that it is finished with his death and rising again from the tomb, that's the way creation works. Creation is now to be restored again and is restored now. We have the resurrection of the dead right now. We just don't see it yet. We're waiting for it to finally spill out in full. And so that's the centrality of our faith. That we will be raised from the dead. And that when we are raised from the dead, we will leave this life where we have to deal constantly with the impact of sin and things like that 
far, far behind us. In fact, it'll be remembered no more. The, the tears will be wiped away, and we will have nothing but life with Christ. Life we have now, we see in part, now we see uh, as though in a mirror dimly, then we will see face to face, or as First John puts it, uh, beloved, we, we, we don't know what we'll be like when that time comes, but we will be as Christ is, for we will see him face to face. Echoing off of Job, I know that my Redeemer lives, and in the end, when my flesh has been destroyed, yet in my own eyes I will see God, my own eyes and not another. That's our hope. It is the, the hope for the, the utter undoing of sin and death that are all tied up together in a giant, massive ball. All right? So again, the resurrection is vital. Uh, if, it become, if Christianity were just, oh, Jesus was a nice man and he taught us to be nice, well, we still die. Which leads us into our next topic. And that topic is legalism. Uh, legalism, I'm going to just give a, a simple definition, is a focus of, or a, a, a twisting of Christianity to where the main focus is on the law in terms of what you do as a person according to the law. And, and normally with the assumption that you're going to fulfill it. By, by George, by hook or by crook, whether by guilt or whether by discipline, or you're going to go do the law and we're going we're gonna to create things for you to do and you're going to follow the steps and you're going to accomplish these things. Legalism is a constant bane of the church. Simply because, on the one hand, it, the law of God is good. I mean, it, it really is. It, the, the law saying, don't kill, that, that, that is a good thing. Your life is better when everyone around you isn't killing each other. That, that's not good. That's not a, a proper way to, uh, to enjoy life. It makes the, 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 uh, the wreck of the fall worse. And being as we're good Lutherans, and we, we know the small catechism. We know that the fifth commandment, thou shalt not kill, doesn't just mean don't kill. Oh, I've not killed anyone. Ha ha, I'm, I'm doing good. But it also implies that we should help and protect our neighbor and his body and life. And again, when, when you live in an area or a community or a family where people are supporting each other in their body and life, that is much better. My, my youngest son is sick because, of course, this winter my children have been trading sicknesses back and forth. Right now, my wife is sitting, holding onto him, letting him sit on her lap while he just, well, every once in a while, just throw up. She's tending to the needs of his body, and that is making his life better. It still stinks because he's still sick and he's thrown up, but that love that, that his mother shows him is making his life tangibly better. So the law of God that says, yes, this is all the type of stuff that we should do is a good thing. But here's the problem. When we get into a legalistic scheme, when we start thinking in terms of legalism, we forget that while the law does show us what is good, theologically, spiritually speaking, the law shows us our sin. The, the law increases sin. It, it reveals just how dire of a circumstance that we are in because the simple fact is we are sinners. We have sin. And the wages of sin is death. Even if I don't go and kill my neighbor, 
even if I don't grab a sword and go stabity stabity to them and, and no one grabs a sword and goes stabity stabity to me, I'm still going to die. Even if my neighbors are fantastic in showing love and care and even if we, we develop the, the greatest healthcare system in the world and I get all the best treatments, I'm still going to die because I am a sinful man. Legalism will end up focusing on how you can behave, how you can do things. And in part, sometimes it's to earn salvation. Sometimes it's just to, to make life better. But it always dances around the fact that the wages of sin is death. So either we think we can use the law and I can do enough to impress God and that'll, that'll get me out of death eventually. Doesn't work. Or we can think that we can make things so nice that we can push off death into a corner where, it, where it's further and further back, where we'll have a better society, which would be a good, fine thing, but it doesn't solve the problem. And this is where I think you can draw a tie between legalism and the resurrection of the body, in the sense that whenever the resurrection of the body as the, the goal, the end, the hope, is kind of pushed off to the corner, pushed off to the side, that allows legalism to creep in. And what I mean by that is this. What's the problem? What's the problem? What is the, what is the problem that, that the Christian faith is meant to fix? Well, if I think the solution the, 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 the fix is that we, we have legalism, that we have better law, that we behave better, I think the problem is naughty behavior. And yes, while naughty behavior is a bad thing, that's not really the fullness of the problem. The, the problem is not that I am, no, I don't do things that I know I should do. That, that, that's, a, that's a serious thing. But when Paul says, wretch that I am, I, I, the good that I don't want to do, I, I, uh, the good that I want to do, I don't do. The bad things I don't want to do, I, I end up doing them. He doesn't say, who will instruct me in self-discipline so that I can uh, uh, properly behave? He doesn't say, uh, how can I learn seven easy steps to avoid that, those bad habits and, and cultivate good ones. He says, wretch that I am, who will save me from this body of death? He sees the problem as death, sin and death all wrapped up together. And as a result, the only solution for sin and death can be forgiveness and resurrection won by Christ Jesus with his own death and resurrection. But if I don't focus on that, then I can just focus on some legalism. And, and, and then I can focus on what I do. And, and, ooh, and then I can start feeling good because, all right, all right, here, here, here's how legalism works. This is really what makes legalism tick. You can always set a curve and you can always find someone worse than you. Uh, if I say, as a good Christian, I am supposed to do bum, 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 bum. Don't drink, don't smoke, don't dance, whatever. Whatever things I do. I can always find people who don't follow that nice little legalistic code I've set up, and then they're bad and I'm good, and see, I feel much better about myself, can see how much better I am, and, and I'm, I'm getting better. Or, or even more wonderfully, you do that pick-and-choose legalism. Oh, homosexuality is really bad, so we will rail against those who are homosexual. 
yeah, homosexuality is bad. It's ill-placed desires. Of course, you know, there's that whole Sixth Commandment that deals with adultery and lust and... Oh, well... Just because I'm lusting after someone of the appropriate gender doesn't make it any better. It's still a problem. But with a good legalistic system, I can feel better about myself because my sin isn't as bad as that one. Ha <laughs> ha Or no, you, you end up setting up your, your legalistic system by defining the really bad sins as the ones that you weren't tempted to. And this is something that we see both on on the right and on the left. You can see it with your friends when there's that posturing. There's that constant virtue signaling of, look, I'm doing things that are good. See how good I am. Look how well I am living. And that is the problem. Because you're not really living right now yet. You are dying. You are dying in your sin. And when we look and see things, when we examine ourselves, when we see our sin, we see bits and pieces of death coming out. Wretch that I am, I don't do the good I know I want to do when I end up doing the evil I don't want to do. Who saves me from this body of death? Not this body of not quite goodness. Not quite good enough. Not this body of I need to improve, but this body of death. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. That's the point Paul makes. Over and against every attempt we have, every attempt we make to to start making ourselves feel great about what we have done, the scriptures over and over again get back to the point of death. Because you know what? While I might try and do something, more or better tomorrow than I do today, when I'm dead, when I die, what am I doing? I ain't doing a thing because I'm dead and I'm utterly helpless and I, I, I can't do anything. There's nothing I could even give to God to try and impress him a little bit more. But you know what? That's the way I was. I, I was spiritually dead in my trespasses long before I thought of trying to do anything to impress God. And yet, what does God do? Out of pure love and mercy, he says, you know what? See that this Eric Brown fellow was stuck in death. You know what? He, he, he is my baptized child. Good thing I have. Okay, now, let, let me get my, my time frame right. Because again, this is something where God sees us from eternity. He beholds me from eternity, knows who I am, and so he sends forth his son to win re- resurrection for me by, by Christ's own death and resurrection, claims me baptized, he knows all this is going on. He, but God beheld my wretched state before the world's foundation, and, and he turns a, a father's heart to me and wins me salvation. You know what? That's what he's done for you. That's why the gospel is a bold thing, because over and against all the the various plans and schemes we make, some of them that are very, very nice. Hey, go, go, go try and love your neighbor better tomorrow than you do today. In fact, every day you should be trying to love your neighbor better. In fact, you really should be trying to love your neighbor perfectly. That That's the goal. Uh, Jesus doesn't say, get a little bit better like your father in heaven's a bit better. No, he says, be perfect. Go, strive after showing love to your neighbor. Strive after doing what is right and proper and good. And when you strive that hard, you're going to see times where you fail. In fact, you're going to see your failure more and more and more, the harder and harder you strive. In fact, the better and better you get, the more you're going to understand your failure. That's okay. 
All you're doing is you're seeing your death. Ooh, <laughs> but you know what? Death is no big deal anymore because Christ has died and Christ has risen. And Christ has died for you and he has risen for you. And you are called away from sin, away from death, and you are called to life everlasting. He has promised it to you. He has poured it upon you in holy baptism. He places it upon your tongue in the supper. As often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, ye show forth the Lord's death until he comes. And he'll come because he is risen from the dead. And because he is risen from the dead, we know that he is victorious over death in the grave. We know that we are justified, that we are declared death. We are told, in fact, the entire universe is told that sin and death have no more dominion over us. Because Christ is raised and he is our head. So, there you go. Resurrection and legalism. All legalism is. Every time someone goes legalistic, they're just not really focusing on death and resurrection anymore. But you know what? Christ has died, Christ has risen. And, hey, we should be coming up on Easter pretty soon. Unless we're really far behind, in which case we're already in the Easter season. So, well, then, happy Easter. So, all right. So that's the whole point as we get here. So think on that. Have a blessed day, week, wherever you're at. Sin boldly, but believe more boldly still, as Luther would say. Strive after what is right, knowing that you'll probably not do it right. In fact, you won't do it right. But remember that you are not merely a sinner stuck in sin. You are a sinner forgiven by Christ and given everlasting life that you shall see now and you will definitely see for all eternity. Have a great day, everyone. Hasta luego. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. Okay. Jazzy playout music. Ba -da 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 -da. That was a gospel boldly one shot brought to you by Coffee by Gillespie and brought to you by Thomas Lumpke's new book. He wrote a book. I can't remember the title, but if you look up Thomas Lumpke on Amazon under, under like fantasy and such, you should see a book that's up there. So you can go buy Thomas's book. Go for it. All right. Have a good one. Bye.